What is up, fam? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Phil Sarpon. This is Phil's Guide to PsyD. This podcast is dedicated to all things clinical psychology, wellness, and graduate school. If you guys haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also show your love and support on the YouTube channel where you can like and subscribe to the video as well. Today we have a very special guest with us. His name is John Clark. He is a licensed psychotherapist and a private practice expert. Yes, you heard me correctly. He's a private practice expert. Now, you guys may be wondering, I'm in graduate school. Why should I even start thinking about a private practice when I'm not even licensed yet? And in this discussion, in this conversation, we go into some of the details and into the valuable things that you can learn even in grad school for starting your own private practice once you become licensed and independent. And the conversation that we have, I think is very valuable for students to even understand because for a lot of us who are in graduate school, we're not getting this training and we're not getting these workshops and we're not really having a lot of our private practice questions answered by faculty members or for people who are in graduate school. And so I think John Clark does an incredible job of being able to describe a lot of different things that we can do even in graduate school right now to prepare us for the potential of starting a private practice at some point in the future. And so as I mentioned, he's a licensed psychotherapist. Um, after learning a lot of things the hard way when he was building his first practice in San Francisco, he started to blog, which led into creating a website, and then that led into creating a thriving Facebook community. He started a podcast, he did online courses, he did coaching, he did consulting. And so, again, if you are a someone in graduate school who's thinking about private practice and maybe you're not sure where to start or where to begin, uh, he has some really great tips on how to start growing your audience, how to start having a presence on social media, and some of the things that you guys can do right now to start building a private practice even when you're in graduate school. And so super excited to get into this interview, guys. I, this is a long time coming and uh, I just can't wait to go into it. So without further ado, let's just dive right in. All right, John. Hey, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time. This is a, an interview that I've been really looking forward to. I'm really excited to talk about it. I think a really important topic. So thank you for being here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And uh, I've been looking forward to it as well. Awesome. Well, let's just dive right in. I'd love to know a little bit about your background and kind of what got you into private practice and uh, basically what got you into doing what you're doing right now. Yeah, I um, my inspiration to become a therapist, first and foremost, was not unlike many therapists in that, you know, I had uh I had a really tough time as a young person and had a counselor who um, changed my life in a big way through therapy. And I thought that's the coolest job in the world. And so uh, I, I set out on that path and never looked back. Uh, that being said, in my first um, week of graduate school, I sat down in our intro to clinical mental health counseling class and they brought in a panel of therapists, uh, you know, from the field who had, or who had you know, graduated from our program. And they were the most 
burnt out, tired, bitter therapists I've ever seen in my life. They really knew how to pick them. And it was almost like a scare tactic. Like they did it to show us how gnarly this industry can be and this profession can be. And they said in, in so many words, um, if you, you know, if you're here to help people and make money in the process, then this is the wrong place. You should become a dentist or a chiropractor or a lawyer, whatever it might be. And that really stuck with me. And I thought there was this kind of ethos of um, uh, our industry being undervalued and of therapists being undervalued. And also what was going on with this panel of therapists and why were they so tired and burnt out and starving? And I thought it, that it, it doesn't have to be this way. And that that I got a chip on my shoulder after that day. And I guess I should be thankful for it because it's helped me build this business, a uh, private practice workshop, where I've basically taken everything I've learned about business and handed it right back to therapists, you know, that I work with um, really all around the world at this point. Um, in about 2013, I was building my first practice here in San Francisco, just figuring things out on my own, a lot of late nights, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of books that I read. Basically, when I finished my clinical training, I started my business training and I took it very seriously. I read every business book I could. I listened to business podcasts and I just, I kind of made it my job uh, since I knew I had the clinical part in a good place. Um, and then, you know, al along the way, someone here, you know, a, a buddy of mine who's actually just down the hall from me now, he's in session right now. He saw that I was pretty good at building websites and had built a pretty good one for myself. And he asked if I could help and I was happy to do it for free. And then other therapist friends caught on and they were asking for help and advice and I would do it for the cost of a beer. And then before long, I was, I would do it for the cost of a few hundred dollars <laughs> and on and on it goes. And, um, we held our first workshop. Um, my friend, Abby and I held a workshop in a the public library here in San Francisco for therapists, spent about six hours teaching everything we knew. And I knew I was kind of onto something that I really loved this work as an extension of my myself as a therapist and my work and my mission as a therapist to help reduce human suffering. And this has always just been a natural extension of that. And the company has really grown since, you know, since that year. And um, yeah, coming up on almost 10 years doing this pretty wild. That is incredible. Um, I love that story. There's so many thoughts that run through my mind. The fact is that you started out as a therapist. And so like your, your training is built in helping people mentally. And I think for me, that's an important piece because for me as a clinical psychology doctoral student, you know, we don't get the training in business, right? We don't, we don't really get to see and understand the private practice side. And so it can be really scary. I think going out into the real world as a therapist and having to kind of figure it out on your own through resources, through YouTube, through yeah. um, whatever advice that you can get. And the fact that you were able to do it and then you showed other people how to do it too. Yeah. I think it it's an inspirational because it, it just shows you, okay, this is, this is feasible. Like you, yeah. like anyone can do this. You don't have to be a genius to figure this out. You just have to be pointed in the right direction. Totally. And I, you know, some of my early kind of clinical mentors had great private practices and still do to this day. But when I sat down and asked them, how do I build that? They couldn't really tell me. <laughs> They've been at it for 30 years. They've been established. They were, you know, doing it in a small town, or maybe they used to work at the college counseling center and now they're in private practice and everyone knows about them. But how was I going to do that? 
you know, and how was I going to do that as a modern, you know, therapist and a young 20 something year old at the time. And also I was in San Francisco. I didn't know a single person and I didn't want to build this business from networking. It just wasn't, I didn't have time. I was working full-time at an agency. I didn't think it was a very reliable approach to building a business. And so although they were, they were in our incredible clinical mentors, they couldn't really teach me about business. You know, that was the interesting thing is that it was really lacking there. And so I had to kind of carve my own path for, for, for um, my own practice. And then you know, end up kind of teaching that to others. And, and I think my, my academic mentors too, they had no idea. And we could certainly get into that as to why that gap exists and why academia doesn't really touch the business side. I think there's many reasons, but um, it's a huge gap. And as long as that gap exists, I'll continue to have a job. <laughs> so that's, that's amazing. I, I find it, especially when you think about how technology has played such a huge role into building a private practice. And mm. we'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but I'd love sure. to know your thoughts on, you know, for students, right? Cause I know you coach mainly uh, therapists and psychologists yeah. and things like that, but for students, why is it important to start thinking about private practice and how to navigate that path, even, even in graduate school? Yeah. It, it's it's important because, well, here's the thing. The the irony of our industry is that typically when you get out of graduate school, the least trained people end up working with the highest needs clients in the most intense settings. And then you have people that are way more trained working in the cushy private practice, seeing the worried well, and people with issues that are more manageable in, in, in you know, um, in comparison to working in intense you know, environments, agencies, psych hospitals or whatever. So I always thought that was interesting um, early on in my experience in agencies and uh, psych hospitals and stuff like that is working with very intense cases with very little training. But um, I, I think I wish I had started learning about this a little earlier because I could have just hit the ground running and started to balance out my career a little better. Uh, when I was full-time at my first agency out here after graduating, um, I just started carving out my practice on nights and weekends and also learning about private practice at the same time. Uh, two things that as a graduate student, no one can stop you from doing are learning about business and building a website. Those are two things that I would be doing if I were in graduate school right now. As simple as tinkering around with a website, build a, you know, set up a Squarespace website or a WordPress website, um, just play around with templates and building stuff, start blogging on that site, get traffic to that site, learn about how SEO works, um, write about what you're learning, take some of your academic essays and put them on your blog, right? Get, learn how traffic works, learn about organic traffic, learn about keywords, learn about copywriting. If you do that, you're going to be miles ahead of most of your peers when you get into, when you, when you graduate and can open your own practice or whatever. And, um, and, you know, best case scenario is you, you turn that website into your private practice website. And it's as simple as adding a page that says, here's, here, here's more about my services and fees, you know, use that blog and that traffic to build an email list. Um, just, just learn how marketing works and, and learn how to take, you know, the reins of, of a business. Um, and, and a modern business at that, right? Learn how we can use the internet to, to reach clients and build a business and do it the, a modern way. Yeah. I think that's so valuable because it, it shows you that 
even as students, we can start the path right now. Like it doesn't have to be, we don't have to know everything right now. We can just start little by little and figure it out as we go. And I think it's, it's interesting because yeah, I mean, I've talked to faculty members in my program about private practice and things like that. And it just doesn't seem like there's quite a space to talk about those things. And I understand that of course, you know, we're not, we're in grad school to learn about therapy. We're in grad school to learn about the things that are important to be a clinician. Yeah. But why do you think that those conversations aren't happening in graduate school? Yeah. And do you think it's going to change or actually just stay the same? To answer that question, no, I don't think it's going to change. And I think I'll keep okay. having a job here <laughs> doing what I do and filling that gap. The two reasons I think is, uh, and I've been told this directly, you know, I have exactly half of a PhD in counselor education and it was extremely difficult to get a faculty to sponsor my research around the business of therapy, the business side of psychotherapy counseling. Um, the faculty that I was working with there told me very directly, students can't handle learning about the clinical stuff and the business stuff. Their brains just simply can't handle it. They can't handle it emotionally. They can't handle it personally. I thought that sounds really backwards. And in fact, I always found the business stuff to be a a really nice respite from the clinical stuff because clinical work is so nuanced and so ambiguous what we're doing in psychotherapy, never knowing, you know, is this working? Is this helping? Where is this going? Is the client going to kill themselves? And then with business, I could do something today like um, build a website or build a page or fix a button on my page or learn about um, uh, finance and business, which is an extremely concrete thing, or learn about how to set up a business entity. And so I think um, that's one fallacy that keeps keeps it at bay. The second one is they're simply just not prepared to teach about it because they haven't been doing it. Uh, a qualm I have with a lot of faculty is a lot of them haven't even been doing clinical work for 30 years. And yet here they are teaching it better yet. If they do have a practice, you know, that it's, they're usually in a small college town. So they've, they usually haven't learned to, you know, operate in um, competitive urban markets. So they haven't had to market themselves. They don't have to rely on it as their income because they have a faculty salary. And even if they do have a practice, they're seeing five people a week, you know, and they, the people pay cash or check and they do it just by reputation. They don't have to market themselves. They don't have a website. They don't have an LLC. They don't have an EHR, you know, to run their practice. It's just old school, right? And it's kind of on the side. So I think there's a big gap there in terms of them being able to teach about it. Now, I would love if more schools would bring in people like me to, to teach about it. I would love to teach a six month course about it, you know, a business foundations course. Um, how incredible would that be, you know? Um, I just don't know if it'll happen. Um, but like I said, and until then, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And, you know, you guys just have to kind of come find me and people like me that are, you know, teaching, teaching therapists. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's so, that's so cool. I, I love the fact that this is something that became a passion for you and, and you yeah. get to give back. And yeah. I, I think it's really important, you know, thinking about for you as you, built your private practice what were some of the valuable lessons that you learned and if you mind sharing a little bit about maybe some of the mistakes that you made along the way yeah i've made a lot of that's an easier <laughs> list than what i've <laughs> like my successes are you know the, the failures are easier to think of you know because they're emotional and painful <laughs> um 
let me start with those. So some of the mistakes I've made and learned from one would be not picking a niche or not picking a niche soon enough. A lot of therapists are afraid to pick a niche because they feel like they're going to be pigeonholed into a certain clinical area. That's just not true. Uh, your niche is just one door through which people will enter your house. You have many doors and someone comes into my practice, which I own a group practice here in San Francisco. We're an EMDR and trauma practice. We're very niche. Someone comes here for EMDR and we do EMDR, right? Let's say we do six weeks of it. Guess what? They have issues with anxiety, relationship issues, substance issues, right? Family issues. Um, so we are specialists and we are also all generalists. But you have to, especially in urban markets, you have to be niched down enough to communicate a level of specificity that'll be compelling to people and help set you apart in a market. Um, so I think that would be one piece. The second piece would be not charging enough. Um, uh, therapists, we, we really undervalue our services. Again, there's many reasons for that, but no one's going to give you permission to charge what you're worth or charge more than you're comfortable charging or to charge more than what you're, the therapist next door is charging. But this is me giving you that permission to do that because when we charge what we're worth, we burn out less, clients actually get better results, they're more bought in. Um, we can have a more sustainable business, we can feel good about it, right? We can grow to not, not grow to resent our clients and uh, we can become wealthy, which is another big taboo of being a therapist is a therapist saying, I want to be wealthy or I want to make a lot of money or I want to be a millionaire. I don't see why we can't, you know, say things like that. So um, I could go on, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of like not coming across as bitter because uh, <laughs> there's just a lot of things I'm frustrated with in our industry. And I, I suppose that's where some of my motivation comes from, right? Of like, we have problems to solve. And I, I feel very proud to be a therapist and very protective of therapists. And I feel very protective of you guys, of the, the, the next generation of therapists um, that I want you all to, I don't believe in this whole thing of like paying your dues. You know, I just don't think it has to be that way um, necessarily. So I just, I, I'd like for you guys to be as prepared as possible and, and be in this career for the long haul. And a lot of times people burn out because they don't know how to run a business or they're charging too little or they have no boundaries with their clients and they'll say yes to a 9 p.m. appointment, even though, you know, their family is um, growing tired of their workaholism. So th those are the kind of issues I help therapists with, you know, along the way is um, making sure you build a business that really feeds your life and helps you become wealthy and, and not uh, ruins your life and burns you out and, you know, ends in a you know, of falling out of your life and marriage and everything else or your health. Yeah. I think you bring up a really valuable key thing about the money being kind of a taboo thing. I think even in my program, talking about money just seems uncomfortable, right? Like even as a, you know, as a yeah. future clinician, just talking about money, talking about how I want to start a private practice or that this isn't, just a selfish thing for me. This is something yeah. that I want to do to be able to give back, whether it's give back to my family, whether it's give back to my community. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the thing that um, isn't talked about enough about the, the, all of the pros and benefits of uh, being adequate and being, having the knowledge to go into a private practice. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what, what do you, and you kind of touched a little bit on this as you talked about your your journey, but what do you wish that you knew in graduate school to kind of 
maybe propelled your your vision for private practice even further or what what do you wish you would have done in graduate school when i got into the field and i was starting this practice in san francisco i will tell you the hard part of setting up a business is not finding an office buying a couch setting up in the hr opening a checking account forming the llc right that's all incredibly easy and they're pretty much one-time tasks so let's say you've done all that now what how are you going to get clients? So this problem of marketing and of, of getting clients consistently has been a problem I've been really kind of fascinated with since day one. And I started to kind of teach about it and, and help coach therapists through it. I eventually created a program called Fully Booked. We've had over 200 and some therapists go through that program all around the world and learn our process for getting fully booked. Because I think if you can solve that problem for your business and the phone's ringing consistently, um, that's a really good problem to have, right? You, you know that your business is going to be solid and keep growing. Maybe you go from individual therapy to running some groups or hiring more clinicians or selling a course about anger management or about trauma or whatever it is. Um, wh wh whatever it is, you know, I think that's the problem that if I was in grad school, I'd start learning about that earlier because it's a big, hairy problem for many therapists, again, especially in urban markets, especially if you just moved here, right? Or in my case, when I had just moved to San Francisco and knew no one, what am I starting with? Nothing. And uh, no one wanted to network with me when I wasn't done with my agency job till 9 p.m. at night, you know? And it's like, my only option was to build a website and learn SEO and learn Google ads and email marketing and all these pieces that I could do in my own time. And um, that, that really worked for me. And that's an approach that I really still like a lot to this day. That's awesome. I, I love the fact that I think what's, what's really been cool about just looking at social media today is that I feel like I do see more therapists on social media. I do see more therapists who are a little bit more comfortable with the advertising or the yeah. marketing piece. And uh, it seems like, I think even, even for people like clients who are looking to figure out what therapist they want to go to, yeah. they, they look you up, right? Yeah. You know, they're not just looking at your, your psychology today profile. They're, <clears throat> they might want to see what you look like on social media. Yeah. And all of those things I think are valuable pieces to kind of bring people into your niche and, yeah. and promote yourself in that way. So. Yeah. And, and listen, you, you guys are already marketing and you're already going to do therapy differently than I've done it. Um, you know, I have a, a former employee who's now a licensed therapist and she's on her own in, in, um, in New York. Um, she does things very differently than me. And I really have grown to appreciate that. She has an Instagram, you know, for her business that looks very much like a personal Instagram. She has pictures with her and her partner going to Italy or riding a bike or chilling at a pool or whatever it is. And it's like me chilling at a pool, talking about self-care, whatever it is. You know, when I first see that as someone who's like a bit older than her and was trained by really old school, you know, people, it's like, oh dear God, what are you doing? <laughs> right. We need to be this blank slate. I was also trained very psychodynamically. So, you know, we want to allow for as much transference as possible and be that blank slate. But that's the way she's doing it. That's the way a lot of therapists will do it. Um, you know, a, a buddy of mine, Jeff Gunther, he's like famous on TikTok now, Therapy with Jeff. And he creates these great videos about emotions and boundaries and um, relationships and anxiety and all this stuff. And people just go nuts for it. So we're already in the future in that way. And not to mention, 
you know, 40 to 50% of all therapy is happening online, if not more than that. So it's here to stay. Many therapists are running entirely remote businesses and marketing entirely online. And they have YouTube channels like you, right? And like me, and that's, that's more and more normal. And then that gap between who we are as clinicians and kind of wearing that hat versus who we are as people, that line's going to get more and more blurred in a way that we have to keep figuring out as a profession and based on your values. And I still know, you know, there's a guy down the street here in San Francisco who is a psychoanalyst and he would never do any of that. He's building his business a different way. He's very old school. You know, he barely has a website. He would never make content or post a picture of him by the pool. And that, that's fine. You know, there, there's many ways to get to the same end. So if, this, if, the, if the goal is to get a full practice where you're making good money and doing good clinical work, then there's a million ways to get there. I don't, I don't claim to have like the way. I have ways that I like to do it. And then ultimately it's about what, what works for your strengths and your vision and what you're good at. And, you know, um, that's the cool part about it is you can build it like my professors built theirs, or you can build it like my employees building hers. I see it. I see it very much as like, you know, you have your basic principles of, of what you need to know for SEO and marketing, like just the general guidelines and things like that. But then of course you want to infuse your own personality, your own strengths, your own character so that people can really see the human in you, see that you are a person, see that you do care about your, your passions and things like that. What, what other advice? Because I know, so the website, I think, is is something that, that keeps bringing up to me. And then also, what, what do you recommend, like, for things like blogging or um, just other ways that students can get started in graduate school of yeah. potentially even building their private practice right now? I, I would actually, before you worry about traffic or blogging or SEO, I would read a book called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And this is a book about copywriting. Um, you know, this is a become like a real standard in a lot of, you know, business schools. And when we talk about marketing and he's built an amazing business, but basically and in, in, in co- copywriting is about finding the words to convey how you help and what you have to sell. And when you can do that well, and succinctly and eloquently, you know, you can really serve people better and get perfect fit clients in your practice and understand this is an initial part of the sales process. And, you know, no one wants to use the word sales and counseling, but we are selling a service and we want it to be for the right person. And we want, you know, our websites to be compelling and specific. We want them to, you know, attract the right people and repel the wrong people. Right. Um, That's what a good website will do. That's what good copy will do. StoryBrand uses the elements of storytelling and having a character go through a story and encounter various problems and then meet a guide who helps the character um, who's called the hero, helps the hero um, uh, win the day. Watch any Marvel movie. That's the template for every single Marvel movie and under the sun. My wife is watching them right now. And uh, so that'd be a great place to start just to understand how words, you know, are used in marketing to, to, uh, to, to convey, you know, what the problem is and how you help and what a better future someone could have if they buy your product or service. Um, from there, you know, <clears throat> there's another great book called Blue Ocean Strategy, and it's about an idea in marketing called category design. And it's the idea that um, 
you know, we want to look for new ways to kind of stand out in a market. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I want to get into that too much. It could be kind of a rabbit hole, but it's a great <laughs> book about some marketing concepts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. No, I, I love the book recommendations. I think that's, I mean, that's what we're in grad school for, right? We're already reading yeah. a ton of books about counseling or therapy. Might as well read a, <laughs> even more books about uh, private practice and business. And so, yeah. uh, no, that's, that's really great. I'd love to know a little bit about perhaps even your, for you yourself, your vision about what you want to continue to accomplish in your uh, your coaching and your the, pri the private practice that you've been able to build. Yeah. Um, where, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Like, how do you see your, your vision and what you've done continue to, to grow and, and help other people? So I think, you know, a few years ago, I would have told you that I want to go bigger and wider and um, help more people have bigger numbers, make way more money, have a way bigger audience, sell way more programs, more mastermind groups, whatever it is, have a bigger group practice. And, and now I think as I've grown up a bit, I figure out what matters, I figure out what kind of business and life I want to have. I really am about going deeper in this moment. And that means going deeper and doing more enriching work with my consulting clients, meaning with therapists through this business, private practice workshop. And that, that might mean doing more retreats, you know, helping therapists step back from their business and their life and really get clear and get honest with themselves about how well this is working and what you really want and connecting with your purpose and finding what you're here on earth to do because somewhere between 17 years into this people really lose their way with that you know you you you, you see you know 25 clients a week in private practice for 10 years um you're going to start to have questions you're going to have um growing pains you're going to have some 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 fatigue and wonder, is this it? Is this it? Um, it's a very private life being a therapist sitting here and you're for our clients, it's the biggest hour of their week. But for us, we've got six more hours just like this today. That's very intense. And you go home, your partner says, how's your day? And you're like, um, good. But it's like, where do I even begin? You know, you're sitting with people in their darkest times. So I think, you know, I really want therapists to think about how they can deepen their own work, how they can look at their offerings and go from one-to-one -one therapy to group therapy, to intensives for their clients, to retreats for their clients, selling courses, uh, really being known for something um, and making a lot of money in the process. Um, so that's kind of what I'm focused on, on there is, is just going deeper. And even with some of my clients right now who have been therapists that I've been coaching for years, uh, I've been coaching, yeah, some of them since the beginning. Some of my original clients, I still coach them and they've grown really big businesses or they've grown very meaningful businesses. You know, some, one of them, uh, you know, she just closed down her group practice. That was a result of our coaching is she decided that's not what I want. That doesn't, you know, align with my life and, and my gifts, you know, my God given abilities. And so I help people make hard decisions and, and build a business that's congruent with their values and who they are and what they want. And a lot of times people are not honest with themselves. They're just assuming that more is more, you know, and assuming that a bigger business is, is better. And that's not always the case. Um, and in my group practice here in San Francisco, it's a similar direction where, you know, we've grown into what's essentially like a teaching practice. So I have, you know, a bunch of clinicians in the practice. I mentor them. I provide their clinical supervision. 
it it's a real treat for me to see them grow and help them grow and i'm obsessed with you know therapy always have been and still am i've got bookshelf full of books right here that i use to help teach and really help clinicians grow so that that's just my way of paying it forward and trying to provide a good, good place for them to work here where they can help people and make good money and not take a beating you know so to speak in the process so um more good things to come but i'm i'm happy with where we're at right now i love what you said about you know more is not always better and it's it's kind of like the you know being content but not being stale in your your pursuit for your passion it's like this this intricate balance of being excited for what you're doing being aligned with your purpose but not feeling like you have to consume so much more and it's always about more and more and more because if you get obsessed with the more then you can never be grateful for what you already have and so yeah. there's there's definitely a sort of a delicate balance to that and I think it actually kind of points me to my next question of like, you know, as clinicians or even as uh, business coaches, you know, obviously this, this life can be very uh, fast and there could be a lot of different things that we can fill our schedule with. But I'm wondering for you, you know, what, what do you do for self-care and, and how have you been able to kind of balance all of these different things? Yeah. Obviously you wear a lot of different hats. And so what does that balance look like for you and how you take care of yourself? Yeah, mo living in San Francisco, you know, I spend most mornings uh, surfing before I do anything. And I try to explain this to my wife, you know, she works full time at a company and always has the work of a business owner looks very different than that of an employee. And so for me, being out there and surfing in the morning and sitting out there waiting for a wave or, you know, seeing the wildlife, like these little seals will swim right up to me. I even gave one of them a name. Um, I make decisions out there all the time and I get clear on things and I decide, you know, the direction of the practice or I have a realization or I have a new idea for a program for a private practice workshop, or I have a, you know, I get clear on a certain employee, uh, whether it's to hire someone or let them go. And so that's where the deeper work usually happens for me. Um, and I lose myself in that activity. I get into that state of psychological flow. It's physically demanding. It's extremely cold. You have to be focused because other people are around you and you could get hurt if you're not focused. That's so kind of like you know, riding a motorcycle in that way, uh, which I used to do as well before I moved out here. Um, so that just really helps me. It's hard to have a bad day after doing that. It checks a lot of boxes between the physical activity, the psychological flow, getting better at something, uh, the nature piece. Um, the ice plunge piece. It's, it's very cold in the water. Um, and then I have other things outside of therapy and private practice that I love. You know, I, um, I started acting a couple years ago. So I do that. Um, I, I, I have an acting coach. I do different gigs or short films or commercials, stuff like that. So you have to have something that you love outside of work too, or else it'll be very easy just to see another client and another client and another client. And uh, I think there, there can be danger to that. And life is about balance at the end of the day. That's, that only took me 10 years to figure out. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And it, it's cool too, because I, I'm sure, you know, even for me thinking about a future private practice, like I'm pursuing that because I do want that balance, but at the same time, that balance can turn into not being balanced because I yeah. might be throwing so much onto myself too. Right. So yeah. it's always sort of like keeping in mind the the priorities or the things that you wanted to focus on from the beginning to the end, even through the journey. And so I, I love all of those things that you shared because it 
you have a lot of different uh, self-care pieces that are very different from each other, right? From the surfing to the acting, but they all serve a purpose in helping you to feel balanced and ready for the day. So thank you for for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, One last thing, you know, I... I can't talk about your YouTube channel enough. I've been following your YouTube channel for a very long time. And for my audience members, if they, if <laughs> they're going to know about your YouTube channel, because we're definitely going to put a link down to that below, because I feel like you have given so many resources and advice and knowledge in that YouTube channel. And it's been very helpful for me to listen to. I'd love to know if there's anything else that you guys are working on that, that could yeah. be helpful for students or any other social media plugs that you want to have yeah. for for the audience. Yeah, that's a great place to start is our YouTube channel. You know, I, I published on that channel for almost two years with no traction at all. No one was watching. No one, no one, no one. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people were watching. We had a couple videos get a bunch of views. And um, now it's pretty consistent. I'm grateful for that. The channel's monetized. It leads into a lot of our programs. And, um, you know, what's interesting is most of our audience, I was mentioning this to you on the phone, is, is students and people starting in private practice. Very different audience than some of our straight podcast listeners who are, who are maybe in it, have been in it for a few years or 10 years or whatever. So it's a slightly different audience, but um it, it all leads to the same place, which is um, potentially working with us in some of our programs. Right now, um, we're actually starting to build a program that's kind of like that business class you never got in grad school. It's it's a business foundations course. We're tentatively, tentatively calling it Private Practice Made Simple. And we're going to do something special for grad students and pre-licensed people um, in the form of a, a really good discount. Um, and and still be able to, you know, teach you guys and add value and get you ready to become business owners. So um, keep an eye out for that, you know, definitely just, um, uh, uh, yeah, actually, by the time this is out, we're going to have a free assessment on our website, it'll be on our homepage, you can go to privatepracticeworkshop.com. And you can take that free assessment, even if you don't have a business, you can just fill it out or pretend and that'll get you um, on the interest list to hear more about our program when it comes out. And then again, we'll have a great, you know, discount for grad students and pre-licensed folks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm super excited about that. That's awesome. I think that's, that's just what I think people need, right? Especially students who are looking to pursue this field is just kind of taking it one step at a time and what better time to learn while we, while we do have the time and, and not, there's not a, for me, I think there's just not as much pressure right now, right? Like I don't have a private practice. I don't have to know everything right now. Um, and so it's, it's nice to be able to take it as I go. And so definitely looking forward to sharing those resources. Yeah. That's awesome. If you can commit one hour a week to learning about business, you know, and combine that with all the clinical training you're doing right now, you're going to be way further ahead. And again, that's something I wish I had done. So one hour a week, it could be on your walk to school and back, you know, that you're listening to a podcast or watching, you know, listening to a YouTube video or listening to a business book. Um, But if you can just put in a little bit of time here and there, it's going to help those, those gears start turning and you're going to be in in great shape. And uh, you're already getting way ahead of the game too, by being entrepreneurial and learning about you, creating your own content, having a channel and inviting guests on to, to learn, like you're already doing it. And that's going to help you a lot as well. You're, you're not afraid to just try. And that's half the battle, if not more than half. Oh my gosh. Well, Thank you again so much, John, for for being here. This was really insightful. 
like I said, I, I've been waiting for this interview. Like I've been really excited about it because selfishly, it's something that I've been wanting to, to learn more about in terms of private practice. So thank you for all the information that you shared. We'll definitely make sure that all of the, the links that you um, shared are going to be in the show notes for people to check out. So My pleasure. thank you. Thanks, Phil, for having me and everyone uh, listening. Uh, keep up the great work. And, and um, yeah, you're on a great path to becoming a therapist. It's one of the best jobs in the world. And um yeah, this has been a lot of fun. So I'm happy to come back anytime.